We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, y'all. 49ers football is right around the corner, and it is more fun to be there live for 49ers football. When you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the 49ers in the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. They have, I'm telling you, the interactive seat map, bro. It gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and that's super key. Obviously, being in the stadium, being part of the atmosphere, the vibes is are, are, are very necessary. Those all matter. But being able to sit and get that 360-degree view from your seat so you can know exactly what you're going to be looking at on game day, that matters so much. Whenever I go to a new stadium, I love I, I love going to different stadiums and experiencing different venues. I always type in that stadium and 3D seat view so I can get an idea of what my seat is going to look like in Ticketmaster offers that for you. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, they got the mobile tickets, which make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. That's right. Get it in red and gold. Go do that right now. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers. Ooh. All right, welcome in. It's Candlestick Chronicles, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Chris Biederman. No Kyle Madsen tonight. He's being being a uh, big credential journalist over in Santa Clara at the Niners Giants game. We're here to talk about it with Samus Fendiari of Light Years. Of course, you know who he is in that that wonderful Warriors podcast. He does some Niners stuff with us every now and again. But first, before we get to Sam, we are sponsored by Lamb Chops, SG Lamb Chops. Dot com go over and get your gear i'm wearing a shirt right now their t-shirts are incredibly comfortable great quality stuff um, we're also brought to you by cooperage and uh, cooperage brewing and we have a live event on saturday uh, our third live event three in three years now and uh, we're going to be drinking a bunch of candlestick chronicles hazy ipa sam have you ever had the the hazy ipa Oh, it's one of my it's it's one of my favorites i'd love on, to hear that yeah it's it's I'm... really good it's not just a novelty beer um so go pick that up cooperagebrewing.com and uh order yourself a case if you are of of age 21 and up obviously and within the state of california with that we're going to talk niners giants niners win uh let's get to it Blue Liar. hey this is george kittle and you're listening to candlestick chronicles 
Bosa's got him and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. I just want to say, big fan of Cooperage in the process. So, for sure, appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's. I just want to also throw this out there. Feels kind of weird not being the main host on a show here. I feel kind of like what, how Chris <laughs> Paul is going to feel going to the Warriors. You know, I'm oh, kind of sure. running the show now. I got to be off ball. It's a little weird. Yeah, yeah no, you just you, you just got to <laughs> like just play your game, not turn the ball over. I think I think we'll be fine. Um, that's, that's yeah, a nice I have dirty transition, right? Yeah, exactly. I haven't been uh, I haven't been driving the show since like the first year when Kyle and I were doing it way back in 2018. So it's it's a little bit weird for me to do intros too. But um, so the Niners win 30 to 12, and you look at just the pure numbers, and we were just alluding to this before we went live. But Niners outgain the Giants 441 to 150. They had 26 first down to 10 for the Giants. And, you know, they convert nine of 16 on third down. Great number. The numbers say, like, yeah, this is what we expected. The Niners are a Super Bowl contending team. The Giants have looked anything but the first two weeks of the season. But oddly enough, it felt like the offense played a, a, C, a C-plus game, maybe, without Brandon Ayuk. And, and I would say pretty comfortably, maybe until that Brock Purdy touchdown to Debo Samuel, that was – Purdy's worst game since becoming starter and he still threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns no picks 25 of 37 I think the numbers are probably misleading but Sam what, what was your overall take on on the offense and, and what you saw out there tonight so first off I think it's the second most yards he's thrown in a, in a game in his career so it, it is <laughs> right. kind of funny because everything you said is true and I think it's all about expectations yeah. um, this is the most talented team of the Kyle Shanahan era. We we're kind of expecting blowout and like destroy teams, particularly, you know, subpar team. Like the giants are what? Like at best a 500 team. They, they're like, like a, they're like a well-coached team where I'm not necessarily convinced they have talent. It's more just that they're well-coached. Um, and so you expect the Niners to run into it and it, to be like you know 21 nothing after the first quarter and it to be like a party vibe and it was the opposite they yeah. looked sluggish off the bat and they kind of just you know slowly took over the game and adjusted and i don't, I don't know Every, everything's all about expectations because i i think they had full control of that game basically from the middle of the second quarter on but it was you know First drive down the field, can't score in the red zone. Second drive, punt. Third, like kind of some struggles in the first, let's call it quarter and a half of the game. And that just sits in your mouth the whole time. It, it Sometimes it just makes you lose focus of the fact that like end of the day, they put up 30 and they did exactly what you expected. And if Debo scored on the first drive like that and, you know, it, it's the opposite way, they get it to, off to a hot start and then they just play with their food you're walking away feeling yeah. way different, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's something to, I mean, there are a few factors at play, right? Thursday night games generally are just like pretty ugly, mm-hmm. right? I think that it was, it was a pretty ugly disjointed game. The Giants blitzed seemingly every play. Um, and Brock Purdy had been good against the blitz, but I think 
like throughout his his time as starter. But obviously, the this is the first game Brock Purdy's played without Brandon Ayuk, who I think is is pretty clearly right now the 49ers' best receiver when it comes to just beating man coverage. Um, and that's ultimately how you you know we're talking about it with um, in, in the other group chat with, with our buddy Nick Wagner, who's getting his uh, his shout out per episode right here. But you know we're talking about it that the the offense just clearly misses Ayuk and Ayuk's probably their best receiver. He was their leading receiver last year, but tonight with his absence, it really felt like this is a team that was missing its number one receiver. And as talented as all the skill position guys are that the Niners have. Um, it was kind of glaring. And and so, you know, I don't know that I'm coming away from this game. Like, I, I think Brock Purdy would have to have a game where he like threw a bunch of picks and he threw a lot of inter- interceptable passes. But I wouldn't need to see isn't Brock the Purdy. funny thing because it's like he, yeah. he took care of the ball uh, just by virtue of the fact he didn't throw any picks. But it did right. feel like there were some wild passes in there. Early, I think I counted I counted four passes just on the first drive that felt like they could have got picked. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and Nick tweeted this out, Brock Purdy against the blitz in the first half tonight, nine of 16, 5.8 yards per attempt in the second half against the blitz, eight of 11, 13 yards per attempt with the touchdown to Samuel. Um, you know, any, any stared down the barrel on a blitz on the, on the Ronnie Bell touchdown too. Uh, how, like what, what do you need to see or where are you at on Purdy? I guess I haven't talked to you specifically about Purdy and, and, just how sold you are in terms of him being a guy that you could potentially win a Super Bowl with. I'm, I'm actually personally pretty sold. Uh, And and I might be jumping the shark on it a little bit, but like, if you take a step back, this is today's games, exactly what you want to see. The giants brought more pressure than he's probably seen on a consistent basis in any other game he's played uh, short of the Philly game, which he played a half a quarter. So it doesn't really count. Um, (laughs) And, and yeah, it frustrated him early on and he adjusted to it. Like part of it was Kyle Shanahan, just kind of like, let's throw a bunch of screen passes. Let's let you get comfortable. Let's kind of make them respect us, you know, going wide with the screen, that sort of thing. And the other part of it was just him adjusting, which I think is honestly his strongest skill set at this point. Like he, he, he doesn't have Pat Mahomes arm. No one's going to like mistake him for Josh Allen with the the deep ball. Uh, the thing he does that consistently impresses me is he's a, he's really quick at reacting to the way the defense plays him. Uh, and, and, you know, one of those ways is like, you know, uh, avoiding a sack and making kind of a play when you're on the move. Another is, all right, they're bringing a lot of pressure to me in the first quarter. And by the third quarter, I feel a little more comfortable with it. Uh, and the offense gets going a little more. And that's how tonight felt to me with him. You know, he he felt something he probably hadn't felt uh, in either of the games earlier this season or most of the games he started last year. Uh, and he adjusted to it over time. Uh, and it wasn't like a, you know, when you, when you think about it, like adjusting mid-game, that's what matters for a quarterback more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought um, your your Light Years co-host Andy Liu had an excellent tweet tonight just talking about, like, he doesn't really care about what it looks like or what yeah. it looked like in the game. It was just like Brock Purdy's vibes are just excellent. Yeah. And I think his his poise and just his calm that he just plays with, it's not even about, like, oh, his demeanor in the huddle or his leadership skills or anything like that. He just exudes a calmness, and when he knows he's going to get hit, 
He doesn't freak out and he still delivers the throw. Uh, and you see that over and over again. I think that's probably the most impressive thing, in my opinion, that he's done early on in the season. Um, and my concern with Brock Purdy is, has less to do with Brock Purdy. And I've said this before on the pod, but like, I'm more concerned about the right side of the offensive line and can it hold up and keep Brock Purdy healthy um, because he's not the biggest guy. And, and we see, you know, time and time again, uh, defensive linemen getting close to that right arm and that surgically repaired elbow. And there wasn't any like one play tonight that really stuck out to, stuck out to me in, in that regard, but it just feels like when I watch Brock Purdy, that's the thing I worry about the most from the Niners perspective. It's not, can you win with him? Because obviously they never lost with him in a game that he started and finished. Um, but, and he can clearly run the offense and with all the weapons there, they can, they can score plenty of points, but man, Spencer Burford didn't look good. Um, you didn't feel great about Colton McKivitz. The Giants' defense is not that good. They didn't have a sack coming into tonight, and I think they had two. Um, and they they were just really disruptive, particularly in the first half before the 49ers adjusted. I'm worried as about the 49ers' right side of the offensive line being being kind of an Achilles heel at this point. I mean, I would disagree with you. It's really? clearly the weakest part of the team that are, I don't know, maybe some DB play leaves a little to be desired. Uh, definitely inconsistent, although they've had some moments on the on the season, more so than the right side of the line has anyway. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of where it comes back to – I guess it comes back to Shanahan more than anything. You saw like his counter to them blitzing was like, I'm going to run the ball more and throw a bunch of screen passes to kind of not put Brock in situations uh, where he has to make decisions he's not comfortable making. Uh, and And – in the Niners case, they have the players to do that. Like uh, most teams would kill to have one of McCaffrey or Debo. They have, they have two guys who, you know, right. can play that type of role. Then you got George Kittle, who I think looking for him in the second half, I think actually probably opened up Debo a little mm-hmm. more. Uh, they hadn't really looked for Kittle much in the first two games and, some of that's just kind of like, you know, uh, they have a lot of weapons. <laughs> he can be yeah. like a nice fourth option for them. And like, it, it's nice, but yeah, I mean, to your point, if you want to pick on a weakness, it's that. And when they play against uh, a Dallas Cowboys or uh, a Philadelphia Eagles, like, you know, they're going to put their best pass rushers on that side and try to pick on the Niners that way. And um, when they do play against those better teams, like it's probably going to look more like this. Uh, it's going to be a grinded out game where it's like, he's not dropping back. Like one, he's again, he's not Pat Mahomes. You're not trying to have him scramble around, throw it 60 yards on the field. But on the flip side, the best way to protect your offensive line is a bunch of quick hitting plays, whether it's a running player or, or a quick slant. And I just kind of think that's who they are. I, I don't know yeah. how else to put it. I, I just think no team's perfect. Uh, we focus on the quarterback, but like the right side of the line is just as big a part of that. It's like, yes, that's kind of what happens when you have the best left tackle, uh, you know, the best running back, high price, tight end, wide receiver, defensive players. <laughs> like there is some give and take. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I thought George Kittle early in the game, you mentioned the tight end. The first few weeks of the season, I've I've been wondering if the groin injury was bothering him because he hasn't really been able to separate and be that guy who can beat coverage like he did so regularly earlier in his career. Um, but he finishes with seven catches and 90 yards. Obviously, a bunch of that came in the second half. Um, but 
your guy, Ronnie Bell, um, <laughs> coming in with two catches. Mini Debo? Mini Debo, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, this, this, uh, the touchdown catch, obviously pretty impressive and a good throw by Purdy we mentioned earlier probably is it felt like his first like good one in in that game yeah that was a, that was the first one where i'm like okay yeah we, we can calm <laughs> down because it, it'd been kind of skittish up till that point yeah and then he, he got lucky ronnie bell with uh, i forget who the pass was it was over the middle it was deflected in the air and he was able to get it come down with it but mm-hmm. um i think the more important takeaway just then like the fact that you got two catches and a touchdown is like ronnie bell looks playable and when you can have a guy who's your fifth receiver who can contribute, like we saw him make a really nice tackle on special teams and then come in and fill a role on offense while you're missing your best receiver um, or one of your best receivers, arguably um, that could be like, that could prove pretty big for the 49ers down the road. I think that's one of the early season developments that you like to see, but you, you have, I think you have some thoughts on Ronnie Bell. Does, doesn't he just look like a Niners player to you? Doesn't he not look like yeah. a Shanahan player to you? Like, uh, I, I made the the mini Debo thing in jest because, like, I, I I legitimately think Debo's just one of one. Like, I can't think of any player in NFL history who's comparable to him. Like, remember when like uh, Marshall Falk and like all, all the like running backs who are wide receivers? Like, well, this is kind of wild. I didn't really think you'd ever see a wide receiver could go the other way with it. But anyway, that's I'm yeah. I'm digressing. That's a different conversation. That's one that's been had many times over. Sure. Um, when I watch Ronnie Bell, it's the same thing. I just, I see a guy who likes to play through contact and who's versatile. Uh, he's, what is he? Five ten? He definitely yeah, he's not feels, big. It's not, yeah, big. he's, he, he's kind of built like a running back. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the whole thing. It's like, just play running backs at wide. Ayuk is the only wide receiver on the roster in some, t- in some ways, in my right. opinion. Even, even Juwan Jennings was like a quarterback mm-hmm. in high school. And even yeah. played some quarterback in college. <laughs> so and he and, and like whether he's always this way or he's bought into it, he seems very into like blocking and laying people out, yeah. uh, the same way the other guys do. Um, but yeah, no, Ronnie Bell looks like a guy who can absolutely contribute to this team uh, more so than he did tonight. To your point, yeah, uh, it's hard to find guys who can make a play on special teams defensively, like tackling. And also catch a touchdown, and also uh, maybe lay a key block and do those sort of things. It kind of ties to the defining ethos of this team, which is like versatile skill position players. Yeah, and speaking of, I think we we have to give a nod to Christian McCaffrey, who I, I just like. If he would have made that catch, that back shoulder catch, I think it was in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Yeah, it it would have been like okay, this like another phenomenal game for him. It was it was a good game, but like had he come down with that one, it, it just would have been sort of the cherry on top. I don't know, man. Like I I was I was very dubious of the Christian McCaffrey thing when it happened, just from the standpoint of like what they invested in him. And it and felt it didn't feel like a little duplicitous. Like, do you really need right. that type of like you already have Debo Samuel, you you run the ball well with with Elijah Mitchell. Like this doesn't feel like the biggest need on your team. But now he seems like the most important skill guy they have this year. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it doesn't seem particularly close because like when the when the passing game is struggling, you can still go get five six yards of carry. And he had eighty five yards without busting out one of the big ones like he did in the first two games. Um, but. I don't know, man. It's it's 
really remarkable what he does for the offense just overall and how everything just feels a little bit unlocked because I don't think this win streak, they're at what, 14 straight regular season games now that they've won, something like that. Like, it doesn't yeah, feel nine, possible. Nine or 10 with Brock. So, yeah, yeah it, do, it doesn't feel possible without McCaffrey and everything they've gotten from him. And so far, like this trade continues to look like a home run, even though they did give up a pretty penny and they are paying him a lot. But like, man, for a team with Super Bowl aspirations that runs the ball as much as they do, like McCaffrey just, I don't know. What, what, what do you think of like, I mean, he, he did get 18 carries it's... and Kyle Shanahan actually took him out of the game late in the fourth quarter for... today. Two thoughts. One, I felt like he didn't play as much as he did the last two weeks. And I'm looking at the box score and I'm seeing 18 carries and five receptions. So 23 touches, yeah. which is right on par with what he's done the last couple of weeks. He had he and played hundred like percent of this he played hundred percent of the snaps in uh, in LA last week or Sunday. And and 119 yards, which somehow is the least he's had in a game so far, which just speaks to how good a season's been. Um there's that, but to me, it's, I mean, between him, Debo, them running just the general 21 package where you have like two running backs, uh, two receivers, and a tight end, and every one of them being able to play any position. Like, how many different times have you watched them come break the huddle and it's Debo in the backfield and McCaffrey, uh, you know, wide as a receiver? Yeah. And you have to honor it because he's that good as a receiver and Debo's obviously that good as a running back. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how much of that was like, you know, they saw that as like the master plan at the trade time, but I can't think of a team who's ever had that level of versatility yeah. in, in their ability to line up and they, they take advantage of it. And it's in some ways it feels like a multiplier effect where it's like they're, look, we all know Christian McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the league. He's a versatile offensive weapon, you know, almost uh, just as good out of the backfield, catching the ball as he is running it. And, you know, it's say the same thing about Debo, but seeing someone like uh, Shanahan be able to like really take advantage of that and, and kind of misdirect the defense the way they do it. I, I I'm going to be honest. I didn't see that coming in that, in that level of right. production and then and then that, that's kind of where just like having a quarterback who's quick probably helps the whole thing more than anything what's going on y'all it's kyle madsen and chris biederman here from candlestick chronicles a 49ers podcast on the blue wire podcast network here to talk to you about prize picks it's daily fantasy sports and it's my new favorite thing about the nfl season chris i won 2250 on sunday i had christian mccaffrey more than 66 and a half rushing yards debo Samuel more than 50 and a half receiving yards tyler higby Less than 45 and a half receiving yards. That's all you do. You pick two to six players based on their stat projections. You pick more than or less than. You fill out an entry. And then after you do that, you watch the winnings roll in. It's great. I'm having a great time with it. It's really fun. It's daily fantasy sports. I think at its finest, when you just want to watch a game casually and you think a player is really going to go off or you think a guy is not going to do anything based on your knowledge of the game, um, why not cash in and, and make a little extra scratch on the side in daily fantasy? So prize picks, prizepicks.com, promo code candlestick. They will match your offer up to a hundred dollars. Yeah, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. Oh, what prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. 
As Chris said, prizepicks.com slash candlestick is the website. Use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, y'all. 49ers football is right around the corner and it is more fun to be there live for 49ers football. When you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the 49ers in the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. They have, I'm telling you, the interactive seat map, bro. It gives you 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And that's super key. Obviously, being in the stadium, being part of the atmosphere, the vibes is are, are, are very necessary. Those all matter. But being able to sit and get that 360-degree view from your seat so you can know exactly what you're going to be looking at on game day, that matters so much. Whenever I go to a new stadium, I love I, I love going to different stadiums and experiencing different venues. I always type in that stadium and 3D seat view so I can get an idea of what my seat is going to look like in Ticketmaster offers that for you. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, they got the mobile tickets, which make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. That's right. Get it in red and gold. Go do that right now. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash 49ers. Yeah, we said it at the time. I think like for this trade to really be successful, it has to impact the passing game. It just has to like they, they've been mm-hmm. able to run the ball. They went to a Super Bowl, you know, well before they got Christian McCaffrey. But he, he, I mean, he caught all five of his targets tonight and only had 34 yards. Um, actually, that stat can't be right because he dropped the, the that was an incompletion, the one in the end zone. So the box score, NFL box score, they got to clean it up. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it, like what he it just feels like he's the best security blanket in the league. And yeah. I have to think that like what Brock Purdy has been doing from a production standpoint and even Jimmy Garoppolo after the trade last year before he got hurt it feels like he wouldn't have been able to play at that high of a level without having McCaffrey there, not only as somebody that the defense has to honor in the running game and play action and all of those things, but just like the type of matchup nightmare he is for linebackers and even DBs for, for like that stiff arm. I know this was, this was a running play, but that stiff arm where he just basically like pushed the rookie DB from the giants back like eight yards. I mean, the guy is, the guy's really fast and really shifty, but like, I'm starting to think his strength just and his power overall might be underrated a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's I, I just, I'm just <laughs> more impressed with him. I, I think as time goes on, I just keep getting more and more impressed. It is one of those things where it's like, I knew he was good. Like, look, we're, we're both in Northern California. We watched him at Stanford. Uh, he's, he's been that dude, you know, as long as I've, I've been aware of who he is as a football player, but it's still different watching it uh you know when he's in Niners jersey at this level I'm like oh no he's the best player on the field right now uh which is just like the highest praise you can kind of play uh to a football player I want to ask you this mm-hmm. I want to take this in a different conversation I'm 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 scrolling my timeline right now and we got uh <laughs> always a good idea <laughs> well you know it might as well get spicy so you got <laughs> PFF Sam Sam Monsoon going Brock Purdy has never lost a regular season game and we still have no idea if he's any good. 
<laughs> Kyle Shanahan is an absolute magician. I'll drop it in the chat if you want to put it on the screen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I understand the sentiment behind it because the sentiment is uh, this. I don't think there's an offense with more skill talent than the Niners, or right. if there is, they're in the top, whatever. Right. And obviously Kyle Shanahan has proven one of the best play callers in the league period. Uh, but I still think it kind of undersells Brock here in general. And I never really know. I, I, I never really know how to quantify his impact other than look, man, I know what this offense looked like when Jimmy was running it. I know right. what it's looked like with other quarterbacks. If your argument is he's not making hero ball plays, like, sure. Like, but is that really the measure of an effective quarterback? Right. It's, it's like, it's like, yeah, Joe Montana won a bunch of Super Bowls, but, you know, we, we really don't know if he's any good because he was with Bill Walsh and had Jerry Rice. Sure. It, it, right. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. That, that's like the high level point of it. It's like, let, let me see him, like, let me see him sling it in, in, in some backyard football to prove he can really make the play. Right. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I it feels it, like more, by the way, of like an. This is such an NBA uh, discourse <laughs> bullshit. Like where it's just like, oh, Clint Thompson's good, but like he can't really create on his own, and blah blah. This Zach Levine's a better player, and I'm like, at what? At doing what? <laughs> is a point to win the game, or is a point to put up highlights? You know, right? Everybody has a role on the team, and sure. yeah, I, I just w- with this stuff like. I think the point here is though that we that we can take away from it is he throws to a lot of open receivers, sure, and that's a function of Kyle Shanahan. But it's also a function of being able to identify the right place to go with the football. Yeah, I mean that's important. Um, he's not he's not putting the ball in harm's way generally. Before tonight, like tonight, it felt like and there's I'm a, sure there's a couple tonight. <laughs> yeah, this number will come out, but it felt like there were like five or six like interceptable passes, particularly early in the game. Um, and maybe that's just a function of, again, it being Thursday night and them not really being prepared for that much blitzing. But, you know, and I missing, think... And missing their one receiver who stretches the defense just with his route right. running. Like, right. that's the that's the other thing. Like, I'll, I, I think Debo is more valuable and more important to them than Ayuk. But, like, Ayuk is very important to everything they do because he's the only receiver who literally can pull a safety deep. Yeah, exactly. And I just think like, it's just hard to divorce, to divorce the player from the circumstance. And and I don't think sure. it's necessarily fair because we don't necessarily need to. Like, why do we need to know what Brock Purdy looks like without Kyle Shanahan to, yeah. to evaluate him? Right. Like we know everybody knows See what that... he can do with Sky Moore and Kadarius <laughs> Tony or whatever. Like, but, but everybody knows <laughs> that a quarterback in a bad situation is more likely mm. to fail than a quarterback in a good situation. So it's like reductive to be like, Oh, we don't know anything about this guy. Well, it's like, well, it is, are they scoring? Are they, is he playing well? Like he came into, he came into this week tied for first in the NFL in QBR, depending on how you feel about QBR. I mean, I don't think it's an everything stat, but I think it says a decent amount about a player or about a it means it means he's playing very productive football. Like at yeah. minimum, QBR says your offense is moving at a very efficient rate. You know, right. like right. when this guy's in there, you guys are doing better than most quarterbacks. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And <laughs> like he had to rely more on screen passes tonight. Sure. Um, 
he had, you know, the, his, I'm sure his average depth of target is going to be the lowest of his career to, to date. And all that stuff is going to be true. But like, you know, do we, do we need to know what Brock Purdy looks like divorced from this situation? I don't think so. Like, you know, that's like somebody trying to go into your world, like criticize Draymond Green. It's like, well, he has Steph. It's like, okay. Right. Sure. He, has, he has Steph, but he, he also, and, like, like Steph benefits from him. And a, your, I would argue in, in not quite the same way that Draymond benefits from Steph, but it's, it's a pretty symbiotic relationship. And I don't find it like helpful at all to try to, to try to evaluate that player divorce from their situation. And, and to your point, like you opened the conversation talking about how they were missing a yeah. factual statement. He's, it just in terms of like depth per target, he's the receiver who gets deepest down the field before it's thrown to him. He's clearly the best route runner on the team. He's the only receiver they have who probably uh, engages the safety down the field before he gets a ball thrown to him. Like uh, Debo is honestly probably my favorite skill position player I've ever seen because of just how like physical he is playing football. But like, that's the beauty of Debo. He gets a ball to line of scrimmage and he runs through everyone, right? Like he's not a player who, although he did have a play today uh, with the touchdown, he's not a player who traditionally like, you know, uh, is catching the ball 20 yards down the field. Yeah. Uh, and and to your point, what what does a quarterback with a bigger arm look like when he doesn't have Ayuk and their weapons are McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle? he's probably doing the same thing that Brock Purdy did tonight, maybe with a little like more zip on the ball. Like that's really it. That's true. That's like they're not, they're not getting Debo down the field in one-on-one matchups as if he's Jamar chase, like that's not his game. Right. And so when you say you can't divorce the player from the situation, it goes both ways. I don't know what Brock Purdy would look like if he had wide receivers like Justin Jefferson or, Jamar Chase, he doesn't. So it, he's always going to look like kind of a underneath uh, dink and dunk passer in with with the with the weapons they have. Yeah, is what it is. Debo, to your point, and we should talk about him a little bit. That that play yeah. what was it the forty yarder where he broke four tackles. I mean, that was how that... many tackles did he break today? By the way, like I, uh, I think he had like that was the the big one, but he had three other ones where I'm like, I thought he was going to house them and it just turned into like four guys ankles being broken. You know? There was a lot of, of hype coming into the season about Debo being in mm-hmm. great shape and, um, you know, being voted a team captain and all of that stuff in the first two games, like Debo obviously, you know, didn't look terrible, but he didn't really break out from a number number standpoint. Sure. This looked like 2021 Debo. Like he only caught half of his targets. He was targeted 12 times. He had just six catches, but he had 129 yards in that back shoulder touchdown, which was a dot from from Purdy. But this looked like 2021 Debo. If they're going to get 2021 Debo in addition to Ayuk, if he returns and and yeah. was playing like he did, you know, NFC defense or offensive player of the week in the opener. I mean they're going to be extremely difficult to stop because Samuel looked excellent tonight. And yeah, I, I mean, my whole thing with him is his game translates to the playoffs. Like yes. he's a tough dude. Uh, you see a lot of guys who are excellent route runners 
destroy bad defenses. And then you get against a good defense. It's not even about the route running that the issue is. It's just the pressures on the quarterback. And all of a sudden, you know, they're not throwing balls to him as much. Uh, the pressure doesn't really matter with Debo. You just throw it to him and let him make a play type yeah. of thing. Uh, I agree with you. He looked like the dude who uh, ran through the Rams uh, and the Packers yeah. uh, in that kind of improbable playoff run when like they, they were a mess up until the playoffs in some ways <laughs> yes. two years ago, uh, including, you know, thinking he was seriously injured for a moment there. Yeah. And then you look, I'm like, oh, he's, he's tired. And then, you know, he goes, he goes onto the sidelines back in, in two plays, that type of thing. Like, I, I just, I don't know. You tell me who you would rather have in the playoffs, that guy or someone who's thrown up fantasy points. I'm not going to name names on receivers, but like <laughs> there's a, an abundance of guys who I'm like, Oh man, you get a little rough with them. And uh, the pass rush gets a little worse, and I I don't notice them in the game at the same level I do Debo. Yeah, and to your point about like that Packers game, you remember in Lambeau, he's like he like twisted he his yeah he like twisted his ankle. He got I think he got like destroyed over the middle at, at mm-hmm. one point in that game, and then it was like third and six or third and eight, and they give him the ball and and he just goes and gets it. And it was, and then he like hobbles off the field. Like he can barely move. It was like, man, that dude, that's a, that's a great point that like, you know, it can be cold. It can be windy. The passing game might not be there. Like, you know, if you have a, like Brandon Ayuk is probably less likely to succeed in that scenario than Debo, because you can just like give him a carry or give him a bubble screen and just say, go. And that sort of negates the weather you might be dealing with. Totally. And, and like, you know, there's a, there's a decent chance that they could end up with home. It's way too early to talk about that sort of stuff, but there's also a very good chance. They're going to have to go to Philly, you know? Yeah. They're going to have to go to a place like that. And that's not a, that's not a place where like you can count on having the conditions to throw it down. Like it could be 30 mile per hour winds and snowy, you know? And so players, you know, McCaffrey also dials up on this Kittle dials up on this. Like it's cliche. But there's a reason, you know, teams who tend to have guys who are more physical and maybe less like flash down the field tend to play better in the playoffs. Yeah. It's not a one for one talents talent. You know, you get a guy in the right in the right situation. Like, yes, you, you get in a playoff situation. Jamar Chase can go one on one with guys like he's going to fucking win, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know. It is useful to have guys who can kind of battle through situations that are less than ideal. Yeah. Um, so we've spent this whole time talking about the Niners offense. Uh, the Giants had just <laughs> 150 yards on the game. And right? <laughs> it never it never felt like even even when it was close early on and they had that opening field goal drive it never really felt like the giants were going to do anything even coming, even coming into the game. It was one of those where it's like, you see that they're missing their left tackle. They're starting left guard. Nick Bosa hasn't gotten on the board yet with any sacks this season. It's like, this is probably going to go bad uh, for the giants. And it did pretty predictably. I don't have like any super insightful analysis on, on what happened in terms of like the Niners other than the Niners, just like handling business and being like a dominant defense against 
a pretty bad offense when it's healthy and an even worse offense when they're banged up was was there anything that happened for the 49ers defensively that that stood out to you aside from Dre Greenlaw getting his one per game <laughs> uh, personal foul tackle late there no I mean it, for me what's interesting is okay so they had two sacks uh, a bunch of pressure on the quarterback at no point was I worried that the Giants were going to do anything of substance right yeah uh, no Saquon I didn't mention that either yeah and, and they were missing uh, was it two offensive linemen I'm sorry I, I yeah the, they're they're starting left side Andrew so, Thomas who was a good player he was uh top top five pick a couple years ago I think it's I mean Honestly, like I feel like the Niners defense did what they did, but at best I can give them what a B performance relative to their expectations. That's kind of where I'm at with them. And I don't even know that it's a problem, if I would be honest with you. Like, yeah, it's Thursday night. It's hard to like I don't particularly need the Giants defense peaking September twenty first. Uh I'm waiting for for the you know the Bosa armstead like hargraves performance where it's like oh uh, they made life absolute hell for the opposing quarterback and we haven't got that yet but uh, what do you complain about them right like no there's nothing i don't think there's anything worth complaining about really it does feel maybe the penalties yeah do you feel like they're pacing themselves a little bit here because to me like they have like I think their defense is still probably better than their offense, like top to bottom in general. Uh, and maybe maybe I'm wrong on that front, but it does feel like they they turn it up a little more when they need to. Like the Rams game was probably a better tell of that than this one. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting, and maybe maybe that's fine. Like it's a long season; you don't need to kill yourself in September type of stuff. It does feel like. Uh, Maybe a couple of years ago, they would have gone a little more aggressively all out. And now this is a, a more veteran team who's like, I, I need to make sure I get out of this game healthy. And, you know, we're going to win no matter what. So I don't need to do that right now. Yeah, they, they've always been sort of the defense that's predicated on like, OK, you can dink and dunk on us all you want, but you're not mm-hmm. going to put together a 15 play scoring drive on us. And I think that's sort of been schematically what's been happening at least in these last two games right like teams just trying to get the ball out quick to negate that pass rush sure and the Niners are just sort of you know saying all right if you want a four yard completion go ahead you can have those all day but we're just not going to get beat and if you do try to go deep our pass rush is probably going to get there before you can before you can even try um I think Bosa is probably still rounding into shape um, yeah. I think it was it was pretty clear given the holdout that he wasn't going to come in and just like be able to light the world on fire like he did throughout all of last season without any training camp reps. And and I would guess probably starting in their next game against Arizona that it starts to look like defensive player of the year Nick Bosa again because he's got three games under his belt. He'll have the extended break with a few few extra days off um with with the thursday night game and and then i think you start to see the defense really take off um javon hargrave has been really good i think uh he had a sack today i'm not worried at all about the niners defense i mean they're they're mostly healthy um we haven't seen my one of my concerns was is is tayshawn gibson gonna be ever gonna be a liability for them given his age and given that 
Um, you know, he was, he was just a free agent they basically brought in off the street last August. He's just still playing solid. So it's like, all right, maybe pass rush depth is a concern, but I don't know. Like, I think that that's the ultimate nitpicking is like, what's wrong with the 49ers defense? They just all out 150 yards. (laughs) You know, like I don't have anything to complain about. And I hate to look ahead, but doesn't it feel like we just need to get to the Cowboys game in two weeks? Yes. Uh, Because to your point, every critique of this team is a nitpick. Like, oh, Brock wasn't as accurate as I wanted. They won by three scores. You know, <laughs> like, oh, the defense wasn't putting as much pressure on them as I wanted. 150 total yards. Right. And it, they are one of the five best teams in the league. No one's going to debate that. They're one of the few legitimate Super Bowl contenders, one of the five or six best teams. Um, I want to see them go up against, and I don't even know if I buy the Cowboys are that good, but they are objectively in that conversation. Yeah. I want to see them go up against a team like that so I can actually uh, make a determination if I'm worried about the defense, if I'm worried about Brock, if any of those things are real, or you know, if they're going to ride like a 15 and two type of season. You know, um, yeah. I need to see them play one of those teams because the Steelers, you know. Th- I think we spent all off season be like, Oh, in Pittsburgh, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then the Rams are clearly in transition and I don't know what you call the, the giants at this point, but same thing. Like these are all teams who are at best case fighting for like last wildcard spots. Yeah. So coming up, they have Arizona next week, which might be, I don't think it's going to be a trap game to where the Cardinals will even make it competitive, but it might be a trap game to where like the Niners play, bad for a quarter and a half which again won't necessarily tell us anything it's yeah more just because annoying. yeah because yeah. they do have they're they're going up against arguably the worst team in the nfl with one of the best teams awaiting the week after in the cowboys then they have an interesting stretch they go to cleveland to minnesota on a monday night game and then home to cincinnati and who knows what cincinnati will look like at that point they could either be like completely done and joe burrow's calf injuries just preventing him from doing anything or cleveland wins a couple by then uh and looks like a, a super bowl contender again it's you know this cardinals game is isn't going to teach us anything we're going to learn a ton about about them and against dallas i think that's ultimately going to be like the brock purdy referendum game right because like I think objectively you could say Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Not by like a whole lot, but like he didn't, you know, he didn't throw picks that that was, that was really Dak's biggest issue in that game, but there's going to be the referendum game on Purdy against Dallas and then how they move forward at Cleveland. I think Cleveland's defense is good. Deshaun Watson's obviously been terrible so far, but that's a separate (laughs) discussion. And then at Minnesota, probably a pretty winnable game. I would guess, even though that's, that's going to be a good environment in Minneapolis, but the pre the pregame hug that Kyle gives Kirk cousins is going to be <laughs> one, man. Did you hear that? Uh, I think he, he, Jay Gruden went on one of the Bay area radio stations. We haven't talked about this on the pod. We probably should have, but he said that Kyle Shanahan offered the number two pick in 2017 for Kirk cousins to Washington. And Dan Snyder turned it down because, because he just doesn't because like the Shanahan's bitter over the way the whole thing, Britt. <laughs> 
I mean, that that feels like a story where everyone's a loser, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you don't think the 49ers have two Super Bowl wins by now with with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback? Had they make that trade? Was that the Solomon Thomas? Yeah, that was was the Solomon Thomas. I mean, he didn't work out either. So (laughs) I I can't even imagine a world where, okay, so Kirk Cousins is a, he's a good starter. Like he's a good player. All criticism of him is in context of like the top quarterbacks, but he's, He's better than Jimmy, right? He's like the DeMar DeRozan of of NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, it's, it's pretty accurate. Like a star, um, like a like a a notable, like reliable star player, but not someone you're like building a championship team around. But him going to that Niner team who had no none of these players, you know, no no uh no Kittle, no Trent, no Debo. Like, what does that look like? Is he even alive? You know, like it's it's just it's it feels like a butterfly effect thing that I don't need to live through. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like given how Kirk Cousins has looked in primetime games as a whole, it's probably fair to say it would look pretty similar to what Jimmy Garoppolo looked like in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and sure. the NFC championship game when he was playing. But that's a separate point. So um, I'll get you out here on this. What are we've talked about expectations or alluded to them throughout this this episode? What are your expectations? Is this is this Super Bowl or bust for you? The the, the way of this course. roster, yeah. What scenario does a nice NFC Championship game like render you? Like, yeah, I understand the context that like it's not Brock's fault that Jimmy didn't do X and Y, but this is very clearly a Super Bowl roster. Yeah, and it's been for five years, uh, and this one's the best of them. Honestly, it, it it just is. They didn't have McCaffrey or Trent in their first Super Bowl trick trip. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like guys, like you, the only player on the Niners you could say was probably better in 2019 or 20 than they are today is George Kittle. Everyone else is a better player than they were now than they were back then like Debo's clearly yeah. gotten better. Fred Warner's got better. We can keep going down the line. Nick Bosa. Um, yes. Nick Bosa. Although the freak in general, but <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess Eric Armstead's probably just about the same. Like yeah. I wouldn't say he's better horrors. Uh, they're in their window. This might be the best year they have with all those guys. I, I just don't know that there's any circumstance that's acceptable other than winning it all. Like, even if they run into injuries, you're going to walk away from it disappointed mm-hmm. because you thought they could win it all, not for any other reason. So I, I don't know any other way to look at it. Like I understand people putting everything under a magnifying glass because three championship games in four years, they've been to the super bowl. Uh, and this team's better than all of those. Like it's kind of, are you going to get over the hump or are you going to be, one of those teams we look back on on history, like the Donovan McNabb uh, Eagles, right? Right. What's interesting to me about the Super Bowl discussion, and this is only two weeks of the season, so we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Week, week sure. three, week three, or yeah, for, yeah, week three for for the Niners. But there there are seven undefeated teams in the NFC, mm-hmm. and there are two undefeated teams in the AFC: the Dolphins and Ravens. Um. If, and again, I'm not going to make any judgments about the Chiefs just yet. And Cleveland looks like they're in a bad way right now, starting 0-2. Although they started 0-2 the year they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But 
I don't know. Do you have any do you have any thoughts that like maybe the AFC can be had this year? Because we came in thinking like, you know, Buffalo, KC. I do um, I, Cincinnati I mean, I do. would give the 49ers real issues in, in a Super Bowl. I've been on record saying I think Niners and Eagles are kind of where the where the pressure is. But I will say the Cowboys I don't know. I, I don't necessarily believe, but I can't rule it out because they're built similarly to both those teams where I'm just like, there's no weakness. They're tough on every level. Yeah. Their defense will travel. Uh, they got physical players all over the board. Um, maybe I just believe in Shanahan more than I believe in McCarthy. And I believe that's a in- major thing for me when it comes to the Cowboys. It's like, yeah, the right. Cowboys can look great in the regular season. We've seen Mike McCarthy teams look awesome in the regular season. And then just McCarthy things happen in the playoffs. Like, yeah. So, but, but like, if I want to like ignore how I feel, I'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw them in the conversation. Um, I do think the NFC teams are top to bottom better, but I can't rule out the opportunity of uh, a Mahomes chiefs team figuring something out or to your point, like Burroughs and uh, the Bengals figuring something out. So I don't know that that's a hedge. I, I guess I'm just giving you a, <laughs> a, a hedge answer. That's where I'm at. Like personally, I'm always going to favor the style of football uh, that like the Niners and Eagles play. Like I, I just personally like that more sure. than, you know, like uh, that's cute. You guys are physical. Everywhere. I'm just going to throw it 40 yards on the field. Right. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to to <laughs> end. the The Niners are the Niners are three and zero, a convincing win over the Giants, thirty to twelve. Yeah, thirty to twelve. They almost doubled the point spread, um, but it still feels like the offense left a lot of meat on the bone. But um, to your point, I think it's just a, a product of expectations. Um, Samus Fendiari, what do you got to plug? Talk about light years. Yeah, come through. Listen to Light Years, you know, Warriors pod, but we delve into the Niner topic, particularly when they're compelling like this. And, uh, you know, we can only talk so much. Dwight Howard, is he going to sign? Is he not? So. <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, all right. Come out to Cooperage Saturday. Uh, Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa. Kyle and I are doing a live show. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have Rod Brooks there from uh, formerly of KMBR and currently on NBC Sports Bay Area pre and post. Um, we love Rod. He's a, he's a good hang and, and super knowledgeable guy. Sam, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, we will have to drink some some hazy IPAs and talk about um, talk about the death of, of the mid-range J and maybe the comeback <laughs> of the mid-range J with, with Chris Paul now being back on the that's that's all I want. That's all I want. No, I appreciate you. It's a good time. We'll do it again. I'm having Absolutely. you on light years soon. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Thanks everybody. Check out Cooperage uh Saturday again for our live event and we'll see you guys later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.